there, and thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast, where we make adulting easier by making money easier. This is your host, Lauren. I'm joined today by Brandon Keys, founder of Green Candle Investments Media Company, host of the Macro Insights and State of Bitcoin podcasts, and writer of weekly Green Candle Investments newsletter. Brandon is putting out content for every investor trying to reach financial freedom through stocks, real estate, and Bitcoin by bringing quality guests and explanations for the common man. Thanks for joining me, Brandon. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So are you guys looking for operational gains in a brand build for your short-term rentals? Meet the easy-to-use platform that transforms your docs, PDFs, and emails into branded information that guests read and engage with time and again. Touchday is in the business of helping hectic hosts and managers kill the time burn with simple technology. Helping you to reinforce your brand through communication, skyrocket the guest experience, and create raving loyal fans. Touchday's digital guest welcome books are rich with features including guest email collection and first impressions feedback capture, plus free email and SMS guest memos in addition to providing a single piece of information and inspiration to get your guests excited for their stay, appreciative of your offering, and as happy as Larry, as they say in the UK, to tell everyone about it. Guests love Touchday digital guidebooks as much as hosts, even mentioning them in their reviews. Want to look good every time someone has a question? Look up touchday.com and start a 14-day free trial today. Our goal for today, Brandon, is to make adulting easier for listeners by discussing a personal finance topic since managing money is a big part of adulting. So today, we're going to talk about house hacking a short-term rental. First, can you tell us what house hacking is? and Can you tell us what short-term rentals are? Yeah, for sure. So uh, house hacking is, it can be a couple different things. So generally speaking, it's living in a house and renting out either spare bedrooms or extra units. Uh, so, you know, a kind of common practice of this is you can use an FHA loan uh, here in the U.S., um, either that or a VA loan, I believe, but I'm, I'm not in the military, so I'm not 100% sure about that. But you can usually buy anywhere from one to four units with about three and a half percent down, uh, depending on your credit score and everything else. Um, so yeah, you you live in that house and then you rent out either the extra bedrooms or units to kind of cover the mortgage costs while, you know, quote unquote, living for free. Um, and then what a short term rental is, is, is generally speaking like an Airbnb or VRBO, where you have people who come in, come and go, you know, you don't really have a lease or anything like that. You maybe use one of these short term rental platforms, like I mentioned before, Airbnb and whatnot. And uh, yeah, you kind of just get the income through that way. So um, yeah, as as you see me here, I I have a little bit of experience doing that. I'm, I'm sitting in my duplex as we were talking a little bit pre-show, and uh, I have an, a short-term rent, rental right beneath me right now. So that's great explanation. So is three point five percent down? Is that what you did? Yep, yep. So I uh, I bought this house in September 2020. So it was still kind of a hectic time um, yeah. at that time. Yeah, I was like, right, still in kind of like the fear of COVID. People weren't really sure what was going on because, right, the world kind of shut down in March. Um, so at that time, I was uh, I was looking for a house, um, sort of, I guess. Uh, but I was uh, living in a one bedroom apartment um, and uh, I had a girlfriend at the time who, who lost her job. Um, and decided to move in with me uh, to to kind of help save some of the cost. And then she got a job at a call center. Um, and so she was on the phone constantly and we were in a one bedroom apartment and I had to take calls and other things like that. 
So it really wasn't feasible to have, you know, a one bedroom apartment, like 500 square feet with a dog and then two of us working from home. So I'm like, all right, I got to figure out a way to get out of here and uh, get a little bit more cost efficient. I always kind of had a, you know, a thought of purchasing and doing the whole house hacking thing. Um, you know, I've been reading books. I read Craig Curlop's House Hacking uh, to Success, I, I believe it's called. It's one of the bigger pockets books. I uh, was listening to a lot of the podcasts and other things like that at that time. Um, so, you know, the, the whole COVID thing kind of pushed it up a little bit for me. So I began looking in Tampa um, and I decided on a neighborhood that was a little bit north of where I was, uh, maybe like 10 minutes north of downtown area. And uh, yeah, I I was looking and I was having kind of a hard time, wasn't really finding anything that I liked. And then um, this house that I'm sitting in came on back on the market. Um, so what happened, it's a pretty interesting story. I don't know if I kind of de- div- dove into this with you before. But um, it was on the market for 365. Uh, supposedly, it was under contract. Um, and the week before closing, somebody went through a full FHA process. And the week of closing, their financing fell through. So it immediately went back on the market. And I toured and uh, made an offer right away at, at the asking price, 365. I think we put in like an escalation clause as well. Um, and if you want to kind of dive into that, we can a little bit later, but, um, you know, it was basically between me and somebody else kind of competing at, at, for this house. Uh, I drove by it one day and I saw the guy out here working on it. So I just came and be like, asked him a couple questions about the neighborhood and whatnot. And he was kind of like, Oh, you know, like I got a couple people who have offered and I'm like, oh, well, I'm one of them. And uh, I told him I was the, the guy that used this offering with an FHA loan. He kind of liked me. And uh, yeah, he was like, well, it already passed the FHA inspection because we already got to that point. So he wasn't really worried about anything along those lines. Um, so I, I ended up getting it. Um, it wasn't all peaches and daisies at first. I'm not going to lie. I had I had some issues, so we can maybe get into that, too. Um, but I finally I closed it at, um, you know, 365 um, at that time. And with three and a half percent down, I was about like 30 grand all in all with closing costs and everything too. So, um, yeah, overall, just, uh, it, it's been a, a, definitely a learning experience to say the very least, but, uh, I definitely encourage people who are, uh, you know, looking to kind of move towards something that, you know, house hacking is kind of anything that you make it, uh, you can do it in a duplex. You could do it in a single family. It's just really what you kind of feel comfortable with and w- what you're kind of looking for. So you knew you wanted a house hack. You were looking specifically at duplexes knowing I want to, for my first house, I also want to be a landlord. Yeah. I mean, I, I was because I, well, I have a dog. Um, so I don't know, maybe he'll make some noises or something while we're recording it here. But I knew that, you know, it, it could be, you know, I, I don't know. I, and I had the girlfriend at the time too, unfortunately, like that hasn't worked out or anything, but um, I was like, you know, we, we, I liked having the privacy. I've been living alone, um, you know, for a few years now. Um, so I figured, you know, why not, if I could do a duplex and it's in my price range or even a triplex or a quad, I'll do that. I actually did tour uh, a couple quadplexes where they were kind of on the top of my price range. 
Um, and I almost put an offer on one, uh, but it was just, it was just a lot to bite off. You know, like they needed a little bit more work. And I was a little nervous when it came to that. Cause I just didn't quite have the capital for that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I decided to end up going on this duplex. I was looking for multifamily because I just felt like, you know, once I move out, it's a little bit easier to, uh, you know, get, get the more profit, but you know, as, a lot of the gurus out there have done it, it, it renting by the room, especially to, you know, people that have kind of moved into another city might be just as profitable or maybe even more. So, um, yeah, I was kind of like looking in, I wanted to be a landlord. I've always kind of wanted to have, uh, you know, two sources of income at the very least. Um, and real estate is always something that's been kind of appealing to me. It's just, uh, you know, like a, a lot of people that first get into it, I thought that the barrier to entry to get in was, was a lot higher than it than it is and a little bit more difficult to get into than it, than it really is. So um, I was happy to learn about the FHA loan and everything else. So yeah, I definitely encourage people to to take that step forward for sure. And you made a connection with the seller just kind of coincidentally. That's kind of a fun part of that story. Yeah. So he was, uh, he actually has another property like kind of down the road to another duplex. I don't know. I think it was up for sale. I saw like walking my dog a little bit ago, um, shortly after, but yeah, he came and he did the work all himself, which, uh, I kind of learned was probably not the best strategy to go buy this. But, um, I mean, he did, he did good work at certain points. Um, but in others, it definitely left some faults. So, um, I, I, I guess I could, I've, I've alluded to it a few times, so I might as well just dive into the story of when I, when I purchased this house. So I was in my apartment complex. Um, I ended up breaking my lease to get out of that apartment and, uh, I moved into, uh, this unit. So, uh, I was kind of explaining to you a little pre-show, but this upstairs unit has a bigger living room and this sunroom, which I'm in right now. Um, if you're watching like the YouTube or whatever, which I kind of turned into my office and then it has two bedrooms. The downstairs unit has a very big master's bedroom um, with a big walk-in closet, a very small living room, a little bit bigger of a kitchen, and then the guest room and bathroom are both pretty small. Um, so I was trying to decide which one to live in. And um, when I first kind of moved in, um, I was kind of still on the fence. Uh, then I decided to move upstairs. So we we moved upstairs just because my my girlfriend at the time could have the other room for her office and then I could have this room, you know, kind of on opposite ends of the unit. And so we wouldn't really bother each other while we were working. And so, um, you know, after we moved in, uh, there was a tropical storm here in in Tampa, which is pretty common. So, you know, it wasn't anything too detrimental. But I did notice some water damage in this uh, in this uh, addition that I that I have. So um, what is uh, interesting about this addition, you obviously can't tell from where I'm at, but there's two separate roofs. So there's the main roof over the entire house and then this addition that was made. And so um, the addition roof kind of goes underneath the uh, main roof. And so that isn't covered up. Uh, it is now. I've since gotten a new roof and everything. But come to find out, there's actually a hole or there was a hole like in the very, very corner of where these roofs kind of connected. And so water didn't get in there all the time. But when you have a very windy tropical storm like we do here a lot in Tampa, Florida, uh, it happens. 
So I found water damage and then I had to call a restoration company to come out here. So I called them. They're like, hey, you know, we'll put in these giant fans and a humidifier to, you know, kind of dry it all out. So I'm like, great. I just moved in at this time. So me and my girlfriend were like, all right, we'll stay on the downstairs unit on an air mattress for now. So we did all that. And uh, then the restoration guy's like, all right, it's not drying. So we have to, you know, cut into this, this drywall. I'm like, okay, fine. You have to do that. So they cut into the drywall and they find mold. So they find mold, which in from what I understand in Florida is, you know, relatively common. You know, there, there might be little molds here or there, but it was a big enough issue where they needed to like, you know, kind of essentially dry out the mold and do all that, cover this area up and they didn't let anybody in. So that process ended up taking a lot longer. And then I knew I had an old AC unit for the upstairs. So because I had all the power going, all the fans, the humidifiers, it blew the AC for the upstairs unit. So I had to go and replace that. Then um, after they, uh, you know, got the water damage and everything, um, they're like, well, you know, we're kind of worried about the electrical wiring that you have in the upstairs unit. The downstairs had all gotten recently rewired because the downstairs unit is all concrete walls, but the upstairs unit is all wood. So they're like, yeah, we're not going to reclose that up, um, with our drywall guys, unless, you know, you go through and you rewire the whole unit. So I'm like, all right, I'm already here. So got to do that too. So the guys go in and rewire the house, come to find out instead of, uh, you know, just having one layer of walls because my house is very old. It's in a, you know, bungalow style kind of neighborhood in Tampa. It had like, for some reason, three layers of walls. People just, instead of just like putting it over, they would just like, there's literally three layers. And, uh, you know, when they were ripping off the drywall here, you could tell that this used to be outdoor like wood and they just like drywalled over it. So nobody really, I don't know, they really just didn't do a good job. They just kind of did a makeshift job to to fix up this unit and make it look nice on the outside. Um, so then I had some some problems with that. So then I had to, uh, after I rewired it and, and got the new AC unit, which ended up taking a lot longer than these companies estimated because you know, it just had so many layers of, of wall. Uh, I was uh, then uh, I luckily had somebody who decided to rent the bottom unit. So me and my girlfriend were out out of a place to stay after I just purchased this house and then, you know, had to go through all that. So then um, we're crashing on a friend's couch, um, you know, in my old apartment complex where, where I was at. And uh, then finally, after all in all, we got it all fixed up. But there, there are some positives that came from it, right? I mean, I, I got, got a new roof. Everything's all kind of fixed up now. I don't have to worry about it. I was kind of pushing that stuff off. I didn't have lights in this room before, so now I have lights. Um, so, you know, it was initial uh, an initial big headache, to say the very least. But I definitely learned a lot. And uh, then I got a, a unit or a long-term renter down t- uh, downstairs. And so I kind of learned a little bit about that, having, you know, lease, doing all that kind of stuff um, for a little bit. And then, um, yeah, then I just kind of been living up here, um, had them for about a year. And then the rent in Tampa just exploded. And, uh, you know, I had I, I was kind of in a weird spot where it is a two bedroom unit. 
Um, but it's like kind of in between. It's not super pricey, but not super cheap. Um, and uh, so I kind of decided I had a friend who was selling his house and he asked me for a place to stay. I'm like, sure, you can stay here for two months, but we'll do like a month to month lease until you find your new house. So and then afterwards, I'll I'll kind of put some work into it and and do an Airbnb because I had a friend who approached me and said, you know, hey, if you want somebody to run it for you, I, I'd I'd be happy to do that. So I'm I was like, all right, this this will be a little bit more work, and uh, you know, I I got my podcast and other things as you mentioned. So uh, I was just like, all right, I don't want to add another job to me, so I'll I'll let you run it, and if the numbers work and everything like that, we'll keep it going and you know, so far, every so far, so good with all that. So um, yeah, it's been definitely a, a long winded journey for me. But, uh, you know, it, it's definitely been a learning experience. And it hasn't scared me away. So I'm in the process of kind of looking for another house this year. So maybe we'll get into that too. That's awesome. So okay, so you paid 365. You said it was about $30,000 for the down payment, closing costs, everything. How much did all of those repairs run you? Yeah. So that's kind of, so the repairs and everything, I mean, I probably put like at this point, 35 to 40 grand into the house. So I left out like uh, some other details, I guess. So um, when I first, so it, it, it is kind of weird. It's hard to explain, but there's a long driveway and I have a decent sized front yard for the neighborhood that I'm in. It's not very common. Um, but the way you get to my unit is you walk up the stairs um, but the interesting aspect of it is the guy bought a detached garage. So I just kind of have a detached garage sitting in my, in my front lawn, which I'm currently using for storage. He was thinking about turning it into like a mother-in-law suite kind of thing. I don't, I still don't know really what I'm going to do with that. I have to look into the permitting and all that, but in the midst of all that, I was like, Hey, you know, I have my dog, I have this upstairs And it's kind of in a place where I could section off this yard. So I started building a yard before all this happened. So I had kind of like multiple ongoing projects and I put in like a yard with pavers and a nice fence and everything. So I could just let my dog out and have him have his space. Um, So with that, that was, I think, you know, with, I, I don't know, I had a giant concrete patch they had to bust up. And then put in, you know, lawn and all that kind of stuff. And the fence, that was like, I think, eight grand. And then, um, you know, I ended up paying like 30 to the restoration company. And then the new roof was like 12 or something. So, um, well, I guess that's like closer to 50 grand now of, of all in all. But the, the roof, I kind of delayed a little bit. I did like a quick fix to it initially. And then um, after another rainstorm or something, I kind of noticed, all right, maybe or I kind of got a little worried. And I was like, all right, I just need to get, bite the bullet and just do this roof and get some financing for it or something. So, um, yeah, I put in a lot of work on the house. Um, and it was, like I said, a, definitely like a learning lesson. But it was something where... I think like if I were to go and do it again, I would have a, uh, you know, a different realtor that was a little bit more knowledgeable on either, you know, flipping or, you know, doing work or had their own like rentals. Um, The realtor I had was just a friend that I met at, um, you know, a a social for our, uh, 
our my old apartment complex. So she was very nice. And I think like, you know, if I were to do like a dream home or something where there's not right. really wrong with it or anything, she'd be great for that. But I think, you know, when you get into these properties that definitely need work or, or something like that, it's better to have, you know, somebody that, uh, you know, can can kind of point some things out like, hey, you know, this this roof attachment might not have been the best idea or best design, um, which, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but I definitely learned a little bit there uh, doing that. So uh, I did put in some work into the house, but, you know, it, it I have, you know, uh, been lucky with the kind of, I guess, the timing of everything and like living in Tampa, seeing just the massive amounts of appreciation over time. So, um, yeah, you know, that's what I was going to say. So you paid 365, you've put say 50 into it, but it doesn't sound like anything was crazy unexpected. The roof was old. The AC was old. I get that you weren't expecting to rewire it or, or do some of that remediation, but you knew you had to do the yard, stuff like that. So what do you think it's worth now, two and a half years later? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm actually talking to some lenders right now to try to pull HELOC out. And I just, you know, I told them 500 and they, you know, weren't, didn't even scoff at it or anything like that. So I think that's kind of reasonable. I, I have had some homes on my street, actually, um, that are like single family go for sale. Uh, I have one two doors down for me that that seems to not be able to sell. Um, so maybe I'll swoop in there and get that one. I don't know. But uh, there's another one, that, a few more da- doors down that was just, you know, really well done, all remodeled. And it sold for 485 and it was a single family three, two. So I imagine 500 isn't isn't too far off. Um, you know, maybe it's a little up, maybe it's a little down, but I just like to use that nice round number. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So what's your payment then on it without, obviously without the HELOC? Yeah. So the uh, original payment when I first got the house was 2,200 about just a little under. And then with all the appreciation taxes actually went up like $200 a month. So now it's just (laughs) under 2,400. So all in all, like, I mean, it is a little bit more expensive than what I would be paying in, in rent if it was just myself. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously I, I have the short-term rental, so, uh, luckily, you know, not paying anything out of my own pocket. Well, yeah. So what were you getting for long-term rents before you did the short-term rental? Yeah. So long-term rental, uh, in 2021, when I rented it out, I did 1400 a month, uh, for that person. Um, then they, they tried to ask me that if, if rent wouldn't increase or decrease or whatnot, um, and I was like, look, guys, I'm I'm sorry. I, I really like you. You you pay on time and everything, but I I can't justify, you know, the cost of everything is increasing all around me. Um, so I offered them 16 and they decided not to take it. And then um when I had a friend live in there, I was like, hey man, like, you know, if you want to live in here for a couple months, market rents eighteen hundred. Um, so he paid eighteen hundred for a couple months. And then, um, and then moved out, and then now I I get more obviously for short term rental, but um, yeah, that's where I'm kind of thinking. I haven't really done a, an analysis on it for short term or for long term anytime recently, uh, but I imagine as Tampa's rent has kind of continued to keep going up, um, that uh, it, it's probably around the the two k region right now. So you said a friend of yours is managing the short-term rental. What is their rate that they charge you? Yeah. So she is just like a personal, 
like she just likes it. She works in um, hospitality. Uh, so she does like events and other things like that. Uh, so she doesn't have a company, I guess, per se that does it. Uh, but she charges 15%. And then I have a cleaner that I have like, you know, kind of a rotation of cleaners that we pay uh, to come and clean the unit. And uh, then, you know, she has some contractors and other things like that. Um, but uh, for the most part, when it comes to like fixing up stuff, I have to, you know, find I'll find all those people. Um, so, you know, kind of from my understanding of, you know, the, the market, um, I know other people that have approached me that are with companies and other things that charge 20%. Uh, but they generally speaking have cleaners or have, um, you know, some other, you know, have contractors or some other things like that, maybe some interior design or, or something like that kind of on staff that help them out. Whereas, you know, my friend, she just, she, it's just a one man show or one woman show over there. So uh, she, she does it for me. Yeah. I think, I think 15% is reasonable. So what are you netting then? You said it's more than you were getting as long-term rent, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it changes. It obviously varies month to month to month on my best month. I've, you know, gotten just straight revenue, like I believe 5,600. Um, so after everything I netted, you know, just from profit after, you know, expenses, all that kind of stuff. Um, I netted probably like a, a, a $1,500 or something like that. Um, but on the the slow months and everything like that, I'd probably get around like three grand for like total revenue. And then with expenses, cleaners and all that, it's about breaking even, um, which, you know, personally, I don't really mind uh, because, you know, the, the way I look at it now is that if I were to do that, um, do everything that I'm doing right now for the downstairs, you know, for the upstairs, essentially everything that I get upstairs is just straight profit. Um, and I don't really have to worry about, you know, I mean, maybe there's a, di- a little bit of additional expenses, just, you know, the, the utilities and whatnot. But other than that, it's, you know, mostly just, just profit. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Break even means you're living for free. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's the beauty of house hacking, right? Yeah, exactly. I just have to pay a little bit of taxes at the end of the year on it, but nothing too, nothing too crazy. Right. Right. So you said you're looking now, would you move out and move into that place with that? And would you house hack again or what, what are you thinking? So this is uh so my upstairs unit still needs a little bit of work. Um, You can't really, you know, tell from, from where I'm at right now, but the, the unit that I'm in needs, uh, you know, the, I think the kitchen and the bathroom flooring needs to be a little bit redone. The flooring where I'm at needs to be re- redone in the uh, <clears throat> in the sunroom. And um, that's just because, I don't know, it, like I said, it's an addition. So you can kind of tell that it's not even flooring. Um, and he just kind of put some whatever the vinyl flooring or not vinyl, but the um, the fake wood. I can't think of the name right now, but um, laminate. It, yeah, he just put the laminate just over it. So you could feel the dip, but he just, you know, whatever. So uh, I need to do that. I need to paint it and do some other things, but I don't mind living here. So my thought is, is I'll do another um, or I'll do a. uh what is it? Not an FHA loan, but the other kind of common loan that and put 20% down. And that's where I kind of want to, that's why I want to pull out the HELOC because I can, you know, have some money, uh, some extra money from the house and, you know, kind of what, from what I understand, 
the HELOC, I can get up to 95%, uh, like of my total home value, which, you know, would put me right around like a hundred to 120,000 pulling out on the HELOC. And then for the first 10 years, it's like interest only payments. And then it amortizes after then. So I could either decide to refinance or I could pay it down throughout the 10 years. So, um, I think, you know, I, I've been learning a lot about this recently. So the, the interesting part about the HELOC is that it's kind of a floating variable rate. Um, so, and that just depends on the interest rates and uh, kind of the way the Federal Reserve is raising and lowering interest rates. And so I do a lot of talking on this on my, on my macro show. So I feel like I have kind of a good understanding of it. So, uh, you know, for those who maybe this is like, all right, over their head or, or don't want to hear it or, you know, don't really know what's going on. Uh, the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates at a historic pace uh, as of late. And so, you know, they, they raise it by a certain amount of basin points and then they have a target rate. Um, and so it's been kind of floated around. Uh, you know, obviously, it's harder to get money when interest rates are a little bit higher. Uh, but I feel that, you know, the Federal Reserve is going to keep raising interest rates throughout the rest of the year. Um, so uh, theoretically, I would get this HELOC. And then when I use it, I'm hoping to purchase a home Q2, Q3 ish time this year. Um, once I get everything kind of settled and paid and done with through that, lock in the house, do all the repairs and everything. That'll be right around the time it'll be ready for is is January through April, which is like prime time for Airbnb here in Tampa. So I'll have it all set up then. And then I can, you know, just use that profit to help pay down that, um, you know, help pay down that HELOC, which theoretically would be lesser of a payment because uh, than, than originally started because the interest rates would be a little bit lower as next year. I think the Fed will start to start to lower a little bit. So that's kind of my my big brain kind of th uh, thought, you know, maybe the, the meme of the guy sitting there, maybe maybe I'm thinking too much and uh, making it a little bit too complicated. But that's kind of my initial plan right now, if everything works out. No, I like it. That makes a lot of sense. Take the HELOC, use the HELOC as a down payment for the conventional loan. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I tend to agree with you that I think interest rates are going to go up for a little while, but I think they're going to eventually go back down. I believe that so much that I, I just got an adjustable rate loan as well. So here's a question. I think this will be my last question. Who should house hack? I think anybody can, honestly. I mean, like I personally, I don't have kids or anything, so I can't really you know, explain that situation or anything like that. Um, but I mean, you don't have to be single to do it. I did it, you know, with a girlfriend and we lived in here and it was perfectly fine. Um, I think like, you know, anybody really can. I I recommend that to almost anybody. You know, I my my little sister actually is actually just about to graduate PA school. And her thought is she's going to go home maybe. And I don't know, it's still up in the air, but she might go home, live at home for a year and save up money and then buy a condo is what what her thought is and rent out a room to her friend. Um, so if you want to be even like in a little bit nicer place like downtown, you can do it that way. I, I'm trying to push her to do a little bit more of what I'm doing because it, you know, you, you get a little bit more appreciation and other things like that. But, you know, you can still live comfortably in a condo, rent it out to a friend and I have a couple of friends down here that are doing that, that don't even realize it's probably called like house hacking. They have like a nice condo with maybe some water views or other things like that. 
um, two bedrooms, whatever. And, you know, they have a friend kind of helping pay the mortgage. Um, and then, you know, you have somebody there if you don't want to live alone or, or anything like that too. But, um, you know, when it, when it comes to having a family or something like that, like I said, I don't, I don't have experience with that. So I can't really, you know, relate to it too much, but I think, you know, if you have a duplex or you have a quad or a triplex or something or the ability, or maybe even an in-law suite, you can, you know, have a house and have an in-law suite back there where you either Airbnb it or rent it out to somebody, um, you know, that can even help. And that's, you know, technically house hacking. So I think really like it, it is what you make of it. And I think anybody can really do it if they want to. And it is seeming like a daunting task. Like people don't want to worry about toilets or they think somebody's going to call them at midnight. That doesn't really happen. Like, I mean, just think about, I, I don't know when I, when I, when I tell people this, I'm like, all right, I, I have my horror story of my house and you know kind of how it happened at the beginning but even then like i didn't really have any issues with the downstairs unit or anything like that um and i never have anybody calling me at midnight or anything like that i mean just think about it when you live in an apartment complex or you've lived in a dorm room or something like how often does something go terribly wrong in like one o'clock in the morning where you're like oh I need to go. Oh, I'm, I apologize, but oh crap. I, I need to go and uh, I need to go and do all this, you know, right now. It needs to be fixed at that very second. So um, I think, you know, personally, anybody can really do it. And I think, you know, that's, you, you know, you just kind of have a, have to have the mindset. You got to bite the bullet a little bit and, you know, maybe it's not the most comfortable thing. Sometimes you hear people, but most of the time, you know, it's, it's relatively quiet. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think if you really put your mind to it and you want, like, you want to be financially free and have another source of income, I think house hacking is the best way to go. I mean, low, low down payment and, you know, you get all the appreciation for, you know, somebody else paying it down for you. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to add, Brandon, before you wrap up? No, no, nothing. Just uh, subscribe to to the Adulting is Easy podcast. Do all that kind of stuff. Follow follow her uh, on all social media platforms. Uh, support her work. Sh- spread it all around. She's doing great work. So help Lauren out here. <laughs> Thank you for that. And you are on Twitter at Green Candle IT. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, green candle IT. Um, then I have the link tree in my bio there, so you can kind of see everything. Um, but subscribe to my YouTube as well. Uh, I think it's just green candle on there. Uh, but you could find it on my link tree on my Twitter. I'm trying to grow the YouTube a little bit, so all the uh, subscribers there would would be greatly appreciated. And then yeah, check out the podcast on there. Nice. So if you guys like this episode, you may also like episode 112, how to set up your Airbnb step-by-step and episode 164, cost segregation for short-term rental owners. You can follow me on Twitter at adulting is easy, Instagram at adulting is easy, real YouTube at adulting is easy. If you want to see what Brandon looks like, go over there and check that out. You can email me at realadultingiseasy at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Hopefully Brandon and I have made adulting a little easier for you. Hey everybody, it's Lauren again. Thank you so much for your support of the show over the last four years. I'm launching a new way for you to support the show and that's via donations via cash app. I will put the link in the show notes from now on. 
If you donate $20, I'll shout you out on the show. If you donate $50, I'll shout you out and send you a t-shirt. If you can't afford to donate right now, that's okay. You can also support the show by telling someone about it. Tell them verbally, tell them via email, or share on social media if you're getting value. I really appreciate you guys. And please don't forget to email me with feedback or ideas at realadultingiseasy at gmail.com. Thanks again.